welcome to the Sunday night, the official After Dark episode of Football After Dark. My name is Nate Kuyper. I'm joined by Corey Clemens and Matt Dustman. We are still uh, without Justin. He's still down in Tampa hanging out with Tom Brady. Uh, having Gave him, him the pep talk he needed. He did, yeah. That, that's part of the reason why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won so big today was was in part because of our, our buddy Justin and his his excellent motivational skills for, for Tom Brady. Yeah, it has nothing to do with Tom Brady never having back-to-back bad games. Oh, no. No, it doesn't. Not at all. So, as we mentioned, this is the Sunday night episode. The Sunday night game is currently going on. I have it on it's in the background. Still 0-0. Zero, zero. Yeah, so far. It's it's still early in the first quarter. Both teams have had the ball. The Ravens have punted, and it looks like the Patriots are about to punt as well. So, if anything interesting happens in that game, we'll probably talk about it during the episode. But So, I, I'm just going to leave the floor open to whoever wants to start first with whatever game it is you want to talk about. I feel really good that I picked up Ahmed, the Miami running back, and uh, played him in fantasy today. Did you really? Yes. Man, that, yeah, I, that's a deep dive. I saw he was picked up this morning, or I woke up in the middle of the night and something and saw that he was, Matt picked him up. And <laughs> I was like, who the fuck is that? And then I went back to sleep. So, I, I was, so you could say I was literally sleeping on him. <laughs> you yeah, were. Dude. You were literally yeah, sleeping dude. on him. Did you? Guy, win, are you going to win that matchup? I I might I might win that matchup. That's pretty good. I obviously need to go a little further. As far as the game goes, I think the first thing we need to talk about is, you know, we talk. It seems like we talk about it every week. Now this week the Chargers didn't blow a fourth quarter lead. They just blew. They just blew. Like, it was just really, really, really bad. And it just seems like... Dude, it just... This was by far Justin Herbert's worst game. And you could tell just by watching him play how bad it was. Like, I mean, the team looked like they were absolutely nothing without Herbert going off. Well, again, Lynn didn't really give him a chance to go off. They kept running the ball on first down, running the ball on first down, running the ball on first down. They didn't try to do anything different. And then, uh, you know, Brian Flores, good defense. Bill Belichick, what's Bill Belichick do? He shuts down rookie quarterbacks. What did Brian Flores do? He shut down a rookie quarterback. That zero, that crazy zero cover zero blitz stuff that Miami has been doing the last couple weeks gave Herbert some problems. I think there was a point in the game where Keenan Allen had one catch, Mike Williams had no targets, and the Chargers had only scored 10 points, I think, at one point in the game. Like, deep into the, either deep into the second quarter or into the third quarter. That was an actual statistic that was ongoing. You know, we can go on a a, a a tyrant about, you know, these type of coaches like Anthony Lynn who are great to have on your staff, but when they're put in charge of, you know, running an offense in the modern day NFL The game it, six the game's sixty minutes. Right. It it just seems like they can't put together an effective game plan with what they're working with. Yeah, like we haven't had the Chargers haven't had Austin Eckler for two months, and yet if you looked at their pass and run splits, you would not think that was the case. It just seems like the Chargers have this undying commitment to try to either make, like, quote unquote, make it easy for Herbert. Like, oh, we're going to run on first and second down, get him into short yardage situations where. It seems like Herbert is better off when they just kind of throw everything onto his shoulders and he goes out there and makes plays. Right. Yep. They gave the ball to. All right. So, for reference, Kalen Bellage touched the ball 23 times this game. And this is his third team this year. It's not like he's a part of the offense that's been out there since training camp. He, he was on 
the Jets at the start of the year got traded in what would have been the preseason to Miami, and Miami cut him. And now he's picked up by the Chargers, who decide to make him a focal point of the offense when you have Justin Herbert only throwing the ball 32 times to and Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen only having three catches. Like, these aren't... Kalen Bellage shouldn't be that big of a part of your offense. You said he touched the ball 26 times? 20. He had 18 carries and he had five catches. So 23. 20, 23. Disgusting. That is... In a game, by the way, in a game that was pretty close for a period of time. Like, it's not like Miami... The final score of that game is not indicative of how close it was for so long. Like, it's just the Chargers kept punting the ball. And by the way, this is a Charger defense that did not have Joey Bosa, that Melvin Ingram is still hurt, that just traded away Desmond King, probably their second best corner, that hasn't had their best safety all year long, that's got a rookie middle linebacker that's being asked to call plays. Like, it's not like it's not like you can rely on this defense and just have this vanilla conservative offensive attack and then when you absolutely need it you just have Justin Herbert go out there and throw 80 yard bombs to people and then not acknowledge like oh maybe we should just do that (laughs) for more of the game it's bad dude it's really bad for as bright of a future as that team has with Herbert they they are not going to go anywhere unless they figure out some some way to be more diverse and more effective offensively. Called fire Anthony Lynn. Seriously. I mean, what's honestly, I don't did know see, what else you do. He's holding the back. Yeah. Did you see how close of an interception Kenneth Murray had? Yes. It, just, it literally went through his hands. It didn't even like affect the spiral but it was just in his hands just went right through it it was so if we flip it over to Tua now Tua is 3-0 3 and 3 up for 3 that's right he's (laughs) yeah I mean he played good I don't think it was spectacular he had a couple nice throws a couple big a couple nice little scrambles I think what's interesting to note with uh, Tua is that in all three games, when he's had to step up, he has. When he when he hasn't had to step up, he's let the team do the work. But like when the team fails him and it's and he's the one that needs to do something, he gets it done. Did you see? I don't know if you guys have been watching Football Night in America. Uh, Mike Florio talked to Tua after the game was over. And Tua's quote after the game, I swear to God, this is what Mike Florio said, was Tua was quoted in saying, you know, I really thought that NFL defenses would be harder. Oh. <laughs> like, but, but here's the, but wait, here's the thing you have to understand. Tua is not like a braggadocious smack talking guy. He's not. Well, he's very humble. Yeah, he's the most humble guy ever. So when he when where that's coming from is almost from a position of like curiosity, right? right. That he that he's wondering like, man, like why why aren't teams throwing more diverse things at me? Like what an like a what an obtuse way to look at it. But that's the way he's looking at it. He's looking at it from the standpoint of like, man, these defenses aren't really Giving me a whole lot to really think about. It looked like what he's doing it with. Like he's doing it with practically nobody. Like Salvin had like Salvin who the fuck is this Ahmed came in with twenty one carries. Yeah. And eighty five yards. And like I don't think anybody even knew he existed before like last night. Devontae he's doing it with Devontae Parker and some couple backup tight ends and like, you know, no running backs, a really young patchwork offensive line. But then when you think about it, this is what the Chargers are, right? Like the Chargers are a vanilla, rush four, never blitz, cover three, 
that's what they do, and they don't do anything else. And that's because it works against the Chiefs, and they well, just do it to everybody. Well, not that. Not only does it work against the Chiefs, but it really only works when you have the talent out there to run it. Mm, that's also true. You know, you don't have. You could argue right now that I would say four of their best play, four of their top six players, were not on the field today, and they still tried to run the same type of defense. It's not going to work. And I feel bad for Herbert, where he's in this position where he could be running away with Rookie of the Year, which I still think he he prop. I mean, at this point now, we're looking at Tua might win. Tua's undefeated. Isn't and now, that like something else? The one that didn't start the season is the one that's the best. Yeah, and now that he they're there, and we'll talk about that game. They're a game back from Buffalo. Like if they look, dude, if they. If they keep winning, and it comes down to that Week 17 game against Buffalo, if dude, if Miami wins the AFC East, he's gonna win the the, the yeah, rookie of sure. the year. He's gonna win rookie of the year. Like it's not for even sure. a contest. So just how much it has shifted away from Herbert in the last two weeks because of the way the Chargers have game play into this offense is is shocking to me. So, but the Chargers win. Uh, obviously, the game I want to talk about will transition easily is the what Mike Tirico has dubbed the Hail Murray. Uh, the, of course, that's what he's dubbed it. Yeah, the Hail Murray, the insane game between the Bills and the Cardinals. Obviously, we'll start with. I thought it was kind of poignant that a couple weeks ago there was this online discussion. Uh, between, you know, with Devontae Adams and Julio Jones talking about who was the best receiver in the NFL. And mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins replied to that with just an LOL. <laughs> and now DeAndre Hopkins has... Like, catch of the year. I, yeah, I wanna, yeah, easily the catch of the year so far. But I also want to, like... we We have not seen somebody do that. As in catch a 50-yard bomb utterly surrounded by three people. Like, I saw the, the, the picture going on Twitter as they put that up right up against, like, that Megatron catch that everybody remembers where he caught it in triple coverage. That doesn't happen. Like, the only person we've ever seen do that in the modern-day era was Calvin Johnson. And now DeAndre Hopkins is right up there with that as one of the only people we've ever seen actually do that in a game as a, in a game winning situation. And the Cardinals are in first the Cardinals are in first place. They're in first place in the NFC West. Yep. Which is just like I don't I it's mind-boggling to me. Like I thought they were going to be good. Because you can't add DeAndre Hopkins to a team that's already talented offensively and not get better. But man, like the idea that they are—I mean, they're what was the last game they had? They—they're uh, a forty-nine-yard missed field goal away from being tied for first overall in the NFC. First overall. They would be tied with the Packers and the and the Saints if Zane Gonzalez can hit a 49-yard field goal and not be short. And then if we flip it over to Buffalo, this is just another, you know, feather in the I don't even know, man. Like I was gonna say this is a feather in the cap of of Corey and I's hesitation to believe in Josh Allen. But then he has that unbelievable throw to Diggs in the corner of the end zone that might have... Like, I, I, I mentioned it in the group chat, but, like, that entire drive was all Cole Beasley, and then Diggs comes in and, like, steals the, steals the sunshine with the touchdown. Oh, yeah. Cole Be- Beasley had, like, three or four amazing catches to keep that drive alive, and then Diggs just caps it off with the touchdown. Like that was, it was like I don't even want to like, like we all. I mean, I'm not gonna give any praise to Josh Allen just because I'm not gonna back down from my (laughs) position on Josh Allen. But there was the 
it was like third and three or something, and Cole Beasley goes up like almost two feet off the ground to haul in this pass on the sideline and still gets his feet down to keep, you know, to reset the downs. Yeah. He had a cup and then he had a couple more catches on that same drive. Like he just, he just, Cole Beasley just ha- manages to find a way to come in big right. within like the last two minutes of each of these, like last two minutes of each half for them. Like I don't, he doesn't have any powers for the other, what, 56 minutes of the game. It's just like the final two minutes. <laughs> It's just, you know, like a clutch factor. And sorry, I don't know what you guys were talking about that led up to Cole Beasley. My internet cut out. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I, I was disconnected for probably a minute. Oh, well, we were just talking about how Cole Beasley stole the shine, or Stefan Diggs stole the shine from Cole Beasley. Um, speaking of steal the shine, the but, weather, okay. I'm, just as a real what quick. Happened, go ahead. When on that drive, that touchdown drive, what happened with. Arizona, like, getting the Kirkpatrick have that turnover it, with, like, four minutes and 30 seconds left. And then the next thing I know, it's, like, three minutes and 30 seconds left and Buffalo has the ball again. Like, um, how do they? How does Arizona only get a minute off the clock? Uh, well, let's see, actually. I'll just, I'll just pull it up right now. Uh, so they had the field goal. You said, you said after the, the, the Kirkpatrick turnover. Well, they had okay, so they had a they had a interception from Drake Kirkpatrick. Right. From that point, there was four minutes and thirty seconds left. Right. Arizona ran three plays. The first play was an incomplete pass to Hopkins. Why are you throwing it to Hopkins? Why are you throwing it? The second play was an incomplete pass to Hopkins. Why are you throwing it? And then the third play was Kyler Murray getting sacked for negative six yards. That was their best play on the drive. <laughs> and Just then because it took and, time off the clock, like, right? And that exact was the best play on that drive. And then there was the twelve play, seventy eight yard. The drive that dr- that possession for Buffalo felt like it took forever because they had that insane like it was third down, and then there was a penalty, and then they ran another play, and then there was another penalty on Arizona, which refreshed the down. Then they had another play, and there was another penalty, like. That's real sloppy play there at near the end, like at that point. I Speaking think, of long drives, Baltimore just had a 13-play, 94-yard touchdown drive against New England. The Yeah, the, they showed the weather there. It looks like sleet, and the winds are like 20 miles an hour. It looks terrible in Foxborough right now, but... I don't know, dude. Two teams that... That, that game was huge, and I think we brought it up on Friday about how big that game was because we were assuming that Miami was probably going to beat the Chargers and if that was the case they were going to be a game back and as I said on and Friday and you uh, well, okay, well, yeah. well, as I said on Friday the Rams are going to beat the Seahawks I thought you talk about the Dolphins I don't think I picked the Rams right away I'm sorry no 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 it's fine uh, but I I tried to say I'm like the the Rams are going to beat the Seahawks like this this and is I said they were going to score I don't know if the Rams are going to win or not but I know they're going to score 24 points and then what does Kai Forbath do but come in and fuck that for me <laughs> I don't know why you were, I don't know why you were so like passionate about that but just to see it ripped away from you was was heartbreaking like. I told these guys it was literally that gif of Nick Young shooting the three-pointer, watching it rim, turning around and celebrating, and then seeing the ball fly out of the rim. That's literally what that was. It was so... uh, So we, obviously going to this this Rams-Seahawks game, I, I don't know, like the Rams... The Rams, okay, well, here's the thing. Here's the crazy part, is that the Seahawks are now 6-3, and three, and they are in third place in the NFC West. That's how good the NFC West is, that there is a team that is 6-3 and three, that, is in third third, that is in third place, which is insane. Disgusting. 
That's uh, disgusting, isn't it? It is. And like, then, ugh. so the Rams. Russell Wilson had 300 yards and zero touchdowns. He, okay, I'll say, look, man, I understand that this year has been big for Russ. They finally allowed him freedom in this offense, I guess. All right, so wait. Well, I was going to so say, both, go both ahead. Both of these quarterbacks had 300 yards and zero touchdowns. That's pretty. Has there ever been has there ever been a game with two three hundred yard quarterbacks and no touchdown? Like I'm gonna say this. Uh, I want to preface this. Russell Wilson's three hundred yards is two hundred forty eight yards passing and sixty yards rushing. But oh, you're Goss, talking about like three hundred all purpose yards, right? But yeah. Goss was three hundred yards passing, right? I don't know. I just don't think there's much to talk about the Rams because I feel like this is just a matchup that they win in. Like, this is just a game. I think I saw something that the, uh, the Rams are have won four of the last five, now five of the last six against Seattle. Like, this is just a matchup that Pete Carroll struggles. Like, he just struggles against Sean McVay and even this offense, and that's what I was going to get to. I understand that this this year has been big for Russ and you know they're letting him cook and he's having a great year and all this stuff. But I got to tell you man, these last 2 weeks I I I mean, I I honestly think he's he's out now. Like I don't think he can win MVP. No, I mean, these are two, these are it's awful. A two race. It's a two horse race between Mahomes and Rodgers. Maybe Kyler now. What about Alvin? No, not Al- no, not Alvin Kamara. He's second in the league with touchdowns. Yes. He'd have to have 2,000 all-purpose yardage to be considered, I think. Yeah. Okay, I think he's probably going to get there. Yeah, I mean, if he gets the 2,000 all-purpose yards, then I'm willing he, to give it to him. He gets consideration if he gets 2,000 scrimmage yards. Like, it's not... The, the, the MVP goes to the quarterback of the team that wins the most games. That's just the way it works. He could win Offensive Player of the Year. That could happen. I think that's entirely I, possible. I want to... Okay. Uh, I want to bring this back to the Rams. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, go ahead. They're 6-3. and three. I'm going to tell you their final stretch here, and you're going to tell me what they're going to end up. Okay. So they have, they're at Tampa Bay next week. I can see that's a loss. Then they're uh, home against San Fran. That could be a win. At Arizona, that's a toss-up. Just because it's divisional. Yeah. And they're home against New England. Home against the Jets. They go back to Seattle. And they're home against Arizona. Well, I think I think it's safe to say they're going to win nine games because they're going to beat the Jets. I'm going to say they beat Seattle again because I have no reason to think otherwise. And they'll probably beat San Francisco. So at that point, you're at nine wins and you have the two games against Arizona and the Patriots game and the Patriots Which, game. So the Patriots game is weird because we know that Belichick's, Belichick's defense knows how to shut McVay down. They just know how to do it. But New England doesn't have any of the personnel to do that this year. They don't right. have a pass rush. Right. Like, they they have to rely on... Yeah, yeah, Gilmore yeah. And all the McCordys. all the play, all the players, all the personnel that Bill would need to stop this offense is over in Miami, <laughs> which is which was the defense that stopped the Rams this year. So, <laughs> so what are we saying? Are we saying that the Rams can go? Say they split with Arizona. It's reasonable to think that okay. they they split with Arizona. And just from a talent perspective, they just overwhelm the Patriots. That's 11-5. and five. Do we think 
11 and 5 will be good enough to win this division. Will the car if they, can, if they continue to beat up on each other cuz like the uh Rams beat the Seahawks uh didn't the Seahawks beat the Cardinals? No, the Cardinals beat the Seahawks. Oh, the Cardinals, okay. Well, never mind then. I don't know. Well, we here's here's the way it works. So the Rams beat the 49. Oh no, the 49ers beat the Rams. Okay, there you go. Okay. The Rams, the Rams just beat Seattle. Arizona has beaten San Fran and Seattle, and they have yet to play the Rams. So, so the crazy, sh- the the fucky thing that would happen would be if the Rams beat the Seahawks again, but then lose to the 49ers again. And then the Rams and them split, and then the Seahawks split with the Cardinals and the 49ers maybe get healthy at the end of the year and can win the week 17 game against whoever they play. Like the NFC, they would play Seattle. Yeah. So like, let's say hypothetically that San Francisco is, they get their players back by week 17 and they're just playing for pride and they try to take it to the Seattle Seahawks, the team that basically injured all their players. Like the NFC West can be wildly unpredictable, literally up until the very end. It's, I mean, I don't want to, like, stress the cliche that division wins are important, but it's actually going to come down to division wins, I think. I could see two of these teams having the same record, and it just happened to come down to divisional record. I mean, it might come down to that, or, I mean, because here's the other thing about it. It's not like it's not like it's not like there's like there's going to be a spot where well, I guess only two of these teams can make the playoffs. Like all three of them could make it. Yeah, it's just who gets the home game. Right. And and the best part about that that idea is that there could be a situation where they play the team that's going to be coming out of the actual best division in football, which is the NFC East. Oh, get get out of here. So let's yeah. let's think about something for a second. The San Francisco 49ers, who we just talked about, and we'll talk about them a little bit more in, in the Saints game because we'll talk about that with Corey because something very interesting happened in that game. The San Francisco 49ers right now are 4-6, and six, right? Right. They have... A, a nuclear amount of injuries on their team. They have a backup quarterback, no George Kittle. Their top three running backs are out. Their top receiver is out. Their top two pass rushers are gone. They have no safety help. They just got rid of one of their linebackers in a trade. And if you put San Francisco in the NFC East right now, they would be in first place. Because the Giants and Danny Dimes... Just beat the Philip the Philadelphia Eagles coming off of a bye week. Philadelphia is three, five, and one, and they are in first place. Yeah. Did we talk about it in the preview or last week that Philadelphia is horrible coming off their bye? They're no. like the Andy Reid. No, we didn't talk about that, and I wish we would have because Yeah, they are not it's, good coming off a bye. It's funny because Peter's thing comes from the Andy Reid tree. So it's like what's going on? with that mm-hmm. like did you not take any of the prep work or whatever from him to go into the buy and have you not at least revisited it since then to go back to it can i can i provide you with kind of a hot take on that subject sure when it comes to doug peterson it was all frank reich oh that's spicy. Think think about how unlucky Frank Reich has been with his quarterback situation in Indy, right? And how competitive they still are. Right. And every single season Frank Reich has been there, they have been insanely competitive. And despite Doug Peterson having a quarterback that we all consider to be way more talented, an offensive line that's way better at times... A pass rush that's supposedly better. Maybe not this year, but up until this point. 
But if you look at the two teams' success, I I would argue with what Frank Reich has been dealing with at quarterback. First, he has Andrew Luck retire on him. Well, first he has Andrew Luck get injured. Then he has Andrew Luck retire on him. He has Jacoby Brissett. Now he's got Phillip Rivers. I I saw that take that I was like, hey, maybe it was just Frank Reich in Indy. I mean, in Philly. Maybe that was the secret sauce. Like, and now that he's gone, Doug Peterson's just this kind of... I don't want to say like a... He's like a discount store Andy Reid. You know what I mean? He's like that... Right. He He's like... If, if, if Frank Reich is Andy Reid light, you know what I mean? Maybe he, maybe he's not Frank. Maybe he's not Andy Reid. Maybe he's like diet Andy Reid. You know, he's just super schematic, super smart with his personnel. He's got an eye for talent. You know, whatever it is, they go. They're aggressive. They go for it on fourth down a lot. Doug Peterson seemingly is like Lacroix Andy Reid. <laughs> Where there's just like a tiny little like whiff. Of Andy Reid in there. Like, it's like if uh, someone hung a Hawaiian shirt on a rack 100 yards yeah. away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and put a red hat on top of the, the, the hanger. And then you get close, you're like, oh, wait, that's a... That's and a... then you think about a cheeseburger for a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. Yeah, but that's... I don't know, man. Like, Doug Peterson... Since Frank Reich has left, all the Eagles have been is injured and uninteresting and messy. That's all they've been. They just lost to the Giants. The Giants, who have Wayne Gallman at running back. I mean, Best jump of be, the day. This should be Philadelphia's division running away. They should be like four games in the lead. Do you want to know what's so funny about it too? And we don't and then we don't have to talk about this game anymore. I can't wait. I haven't even looked at his Twitter yet, but I guarantee you it's on there somewhere. Do you want to know who the biggest loser in that Philly Giants game was? Who? Skip Bayless. <laughs> Why is be- that? Because Skip Bayless is going to wake up tomorrow and be like, "My my 2 and 7 Dallas Cowboys." Oh my god. Are still not out <laughs> oh my god. of the NFC East race. They're still not out. They're not out. They're only they're only a game and a half behind Philly. <laughs> They've already beaten the Giants. They beat I the Giants! They have the heads can't. up win over the Giants. I, I can't with that right now. That's ridiculous. Uh, dude, can you imagine? Can you even imagine if this year ends with the Dallas Cowboys winning the East and making the playoffs. What a 2020 thing to happen. I mean, like, that's exactly, that's, a, I mean, America needs America's team to make the playoffs. Oh, my In 2020, God. the year of our Lord. Oh, man. All right, so let's get to this Saints uh, 49ers game. Um, we won. But what at at what cost? Well, I mean, at least you got. I mean, Jameis is out there now. You get to see what you have with him if it's yeah. keeping him. Yeah, it's it's what I said should happen during the Friday episode, but way too late. <laughs> <laughs> you say it's not too late. You got no, I said, because I said. I said that Drew should sit out this week, and you just put out Jameis and Taysom. Yeah. And if they can't beat up a 49ers, uh, if they can't beat a beat up 49ers team, then you, you know, whatever. But give Drew the week off because of that shoulder injury. Let him rest his shoulder when you have a big divisional game coming up against Atlanta the next week. And then what happens? Drew goes out and. Streets lands on that throwing shoulder. I'm not. I'm not going to blame Streets for it because he kind of like his body kind of like ricocheted off of a lineman there, and it like forced his body weight over onto that side of Drew. Yeah, uh, it wasn't I like I don't. It wasn't like a full body press. 
It oh yeah, you're right. It almost kind of like he kind of tries to drift off of Breeze, but in mm-hmm. an attempt to try to drift off of him, he lands mostly on Drew's right side. Right. So now he has a rib injury on top of the shoulder injury on that side. He's getting an MRI tomorrow. Uh, Lattimore went out in that game. Uh, Taron Armstead was down at some point. I think uh, he. Ca- Smith. I think Armstead down. came back in the game. I think Armstead went back in the game. Yeah. But there was a lot of there was a lot of New Orleans injuries in that game. Uh, Michael Thomas needed five catches to break Jarvis Landry's five season mark uh, for catches in a career. He got and four. Did he get four? I saw I, two at the end. I, I don't know. I, I, I was assuming uh, you were going to say he got four. He got two. So that his streak of having the most catches within like I think he had the most catches within the first two years, three years, and four years came you, uh after he's, you know, missed half of this year. I was gonna say, dude, like he would have absolutely crushed that record. Like it wouldn't have even been close. Right. Because he would have he was at he was within eleven at the start of the year. Then he had one in the opening game before he got hurt. Then was out for however many games. Came back last week and had five. So it was, yeah, he had two catches for 27 yards on seven targets. So this is not the uh, Michael Thomas we're used to seeing. And I think that's a one of the reasons why we're still seeing Alvin Kamara just eat. Right. I think, I, I mean, everything you mentioned with the injuries and... Now with the question mark about Breeze, I mean, Atlanta's three and one. They should be four and one if Todd Gurley doesn't go into the end zone. And like, even when Atlanta's been at their worst, Atlanta, like, Atlanta, New Orleans games are close. I hate, I hate that Todd Gurley thing so much because. Why doesn't the defense just stop them? Like it's on it's not on Todd Gurley. I know like that's the smart thing to do. But like shit happens all the time in football. That's why we watch football so we can see shit happen. That defense has to get out there and get a stop. Like it's I, that easy. I know. Like it's not on Todd Gurley. I the thing about the well the thing about it is I understand yeah, the defense has to get a stop. And you know you're still leading a touch. A touchdown's the only thing that beats you. Uh, it's still a situation like you never put your defense in that spot to begin with. If you just fall at the one yard line, and even like the the video from the game, Matt Ryan even looks at Todd Gurley and says, "Don't go in the end zone." Yeah, and he literally tries not to. I know, and he falls in. <laughs> but it's just in. like that that ball just. Touches the white line. Oh, it God. finds a way. It does find a way. I don't know that the Saints. I mean, I think a lot of us were were worried <laughs> uh, at the like start at the had, start of the game. I had, yeah, I had a bad uh, feeling about this week. Uh, apparently for the I, apparently for the wrong reasons, but it's still we still didn't we won, but I don't think we are the winners this week. You know. Nah, I, I, I think Valid. I think it's I think I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we'll see how the game goes against Atlanta next week. So going to eh, some of these games we'll, we'll touch on briefly just to kind of like, you know, touch on them. Uh, Tampa Bay comes back. We mentioned it earlier off of probably I mean, it was it was the worst loss of Tom Brady's career. Game looked tight for a while, but it seems like Carolina. This kind of seems like the gimmick of Carolina now is early on in the game, they come out and they surprise you and they run a bunch of crazy stuff and they're lining up Curtis Samuel in the backfield and Teddy's making good throws. But then as the game wears on, they kind of run out of tricks. And it, you kind of see, like, oh, oh, yeah, this is a first year quarterback. Or, you know, in this system. This is a first-year head coach. This is Joe Brady's first time as an offensive coordinator. This is a defense that's starting a ton of rookies. Like, Carolina's magic kind of starts to wear off as the game goes on. 
and I just think that's what you saw against Tampa. I don't, I don't, there isn't much to really analyze here. I think this is just what Carolina is. They're a team with a rookie court, with a rookie head coach and a rookie play caller and mostly a rookie defense. And I think moving forward, Carolina is going to be fun, but I don't know. I think this was a really good spot for the Buccaneers to kind of get right after that ass kicking they took by the saints. Yeah, no, it really was. It, it, Tom Brady silenced all the people who said he was washed it again. It's just he has a bad matchup against the Saints for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, I think the big takeaway here is Bruce Arians and Byron Left, not Byron Leftwich. Yeah, Byron Leftwich. Um, no, the defensive coordinator. Oh, Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles. Yeah, they have to go and look at what their defense can't do to match up against these Sean Payton S systems that allows them to just score 20 plus points a game on them every time. Yeah, that's true. Because they could, they could shut down pretty much every other team in the league, except these offenses and Nick Foles. Right. (laughs) Well, I mean, Nick Foles, I think only scored 17 points that game or something like that. 20 points. Yeah, it, it, it was a very slow-scoring defensive. Yeah. Not not great. Matt, do you want to talk about the AFC West, whatever that was, Denver versus Vegas? I mean, like, it, just more that maybe Drew Locke got lucky one week and he's just another failed Elway experiment. You think he's failed? I mean, he makes a lot of bad choices. He kind of just does whatever he wants, and he, he's like gunslinger, but like the bad side of it. Right. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. doesn't really have a lot of positive qualities of the gunslinger. Yeah, the one play they talked about on the air a lot was the uh, that I think it was the first interception, it was the first or second interception he had in the first quarter, where he had he usually goes to that dig route underneath, which would have been wide open. Yeah, but since. He felt the pressure. He decided to go for that go route instead, and he overshot the guy. But then there was that before the end of the set first half, he was looking real tired, real hurt, and everything, and he wasn't coming out. Like, right, right hand was on the sideline, like, warming up because it looked like he was about to come out. But he kept, he kept in, and... He made a few good plays until he threw that ball in the end zone and he got picked off again. He was, but he was looking like real tough out there, you know, like old school quarterback. Maybe not the best body language, but he just tried to push through it and end up getting picked off. And then he just threw another one off his back foot that got picked off. It's just, you know, bad. Like you guys said, bad choices. It just feels very forced. With Drew Locke. It, it just feels like he's... He realizes that he's in... A division with... Two very... Strong-armed... Somewhat gunslinger-esque type of personalities in Mahomes... And Herbert. You know. And then he's in a... As far as car goes, car's more of your traditional like drop-back... <laughs> Like take take what the game take what the defense gives you type of quarterback, but Derek Carr can still air it out when he needs to. Carr just got so mad that you didn't throw him in with those gunslingers. That- I I'm not. I'm, I refuse. <laughs> so, oh man, there was a really interesting. We'll talk about it, but there was. I, I want to bring it up. There's a really interesting conversation on the PFF podcast with Sam Monson and Steve Pizzolo. Every single week they trash Derek Carr, and that is beautiful. And every single week they talk about how Raiders fans just hate them. And we're like, Good. and we're like, we're sorry guys. We're just sharing what, you know, the data that we have, like, you know, whatever. Um, I don't know, man. Drew Locke just seems to be, when you look at the talent that he was supposed to have around him and the lack of it now because of injury and players going in and out of the lineup, I can kind of understand why at times he looks completely lost because there's been no consistency on the offense. 
But at the same time, like you said, th- these are not decisions that a quarterback, even though he's only been in the league for two years, I'm pretty sure he played like three or four years in college. And these are not tough decisions to make. Do you know what I mean? Right. So, I don't know, the Raiders next week, Kansas City going to try to get that revenge game against the Raiders. They're going to get it. You guys are probably going to beat the Raiders by like 40. If they don't, then it's cause for concern. It's uh, yeah, it's very big cause for concern. If you guys get swept by the Raiders, I I I don't know. God, I might not be able to show. Do you have any idea how prepared I've been for making fun of David Carr on NFL Network for picking the Raiders to win the West? I've been I've been prepared all year. He has a tight five set up. I do. You guys need you guys. You, I swear to God, Matt, you better not lose. I'm gonna be so sad. Then again, it doesn't I mean, even we have to win. It doesn't. I mean, you guys have a bye week. You guys aren't gonna lose. You guys are coming off. That's a bye why, week. like, we have to win. We got the bye week. You know. uh, yeah. My so, boy, Troy Flumagalli got two catches today for 12 yards in Denver. Oh, there you go. I like that. Uh, as far as the, we'll just go to another game. Uh, as far as the Pittsburgh Cincinnati game goes. I don't know. What did you expect from this defense versus Joe Burrow? I don't know. Like th- th- I, this is I don't know. I, like I, I, I kind of expected. I know since he scored double digits, but I kind of expected like a like seventeen points at least. Well, the last second field goal was just in garbage time, right? So they really only scored. They scored seven points on a hurry up. Like push the pace drive at the end of the first half, and other than that, they did not score. Like I don't know this. This is the this is the next best defense to the Ravens that Joe Burrow has faced, and when he faced the Ravens defense, at least he had an offensive line that was, you know, had starters on it. At least he had Joe Mixon. At least the Cincinnati defense had Carlos Dunlap, who was a, who's a somewhat proficient pass rusher. They didn't have any of those things in this game against Pittsburgh. And you add in the adverse conditions, you add in the fact that Pittsburgh has like a 1A, 1B, 1C receiving core. Because it seems like on any given week, any of them can do what they did this week. Can be the number one, yep. That's why I mentioned it to my dad. I went out in the living room. I was like, so you mean to tell me that in one game, Chase Claypool caught a touchdown, Deontay Johnson caught a touchdown, and Juju Smith-Schuster caught a touchdown. And it it just seemed like Ben... It literally seems that Ben just goes to whichever one the defense is paying the least bit of attention to, which is so... It's such a far cry from what I've seen the last five years. Where he just forces the ball all the time? Yeah, like every single I, – I, I used to be able to set my watch to it where if it was a third down and seven or a second down and 11 or whatever it was, I'd be like, okay, he's probably going to throw it to Antonio Brown. And whether Antonio is open or not, Ben's going to throw it. So – and then like Juju got there and it took a little bit of heat off of – uh Took a little bit off of Antonio's plate when Martavis was there, but it never really. It was always like eighty-five percent Antonio, and then like the other fifteen percent was mostly Levion running the ball. But now it seems like it's almost an even split between Deontay Claypool and and Juju, where Ben feels comfortable going to any of them, and I love that so much more. <laughs> Like I, it's kind of insane, honestly. Yeah, it's I don't know, man, dude. We just we know how to we know how to get them receivers, dude. I don't know, I don't know what it is. The Steelers have probably the best defense in the league, and they have the best passing attack in the league, but their run game is suffering. Oh it's, no, d- dude, we cannot run the ball. It's it's absolutely awful. Like I don't like. It's gonna. It's going to make some of these playoff games with them kind of exciting, I think. Just because, like, even if they get up, if some of these 
offenses, high octane offenses, are able to step up against this defense. The Steelers have the passing attack that can get back into the game. Right. It's, but that's what I'm saying is like they're not, they don't have the run. I don't think they have the run game to be able to sustain leads in the second half because that's what we've seen earlier in the year with Houston and what other games like they've just always been Tennessee. So it's going to be, I think once we start seeing these playoff games, they're going to be a real interesting team to see. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make me, (laughs) it doesn't make me excited the idea that we're going to have to rely on Ben Roethlisberger in a shootout between, you know, him and Lamar Jackson or him and Pat, him and Pat Mahomes or him and Josh Allen or I mean, like that doesn't make me feel good. But what makes me feel good about it is we have we have a passing attack that. Like, ex- it, like, excluding the quarterback. Like, obviously, we we know the Steelers don't have a quarterback that even sniffs the talent level of some of the other teams in the playoffs in the AFC, right? But when you simply talk about the players you have to account for on defense when the Steelers are trying to push the ball down the field throwing the ball, I don't know how you match up with that. Like, the only way you really match up with it is you just have to make life miserable for Ben Roethlisberger, which, again, is probably easier to do than it is to do that for Patrick or for Josh or for Lamar. Um, But, yeah, the run, I agree, dude. The run, I I think I brought this up on the podcast before. This will be the last thing I say about the Steelers. I think I actually brought this up maybe before the season started. Look, man. I under look. I understand it's a great story. I understand. I, I like, yeah, I like James Conner. Yeah, I I think he should be your third down back. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think he should be first and second. No, I mean he could get some work there, but he's. I don't know. But you had. He's I, just. It was he's the first just. Game of the season. Had, it was the first game of the season, but you had Daniel Dimes throw all over your defense you had drew lock leave and then ripen come in and almost lead a comeback against the steelers defense you had deshaun watson come in lead a comeback well no he no deshaun had a really good first half he had a he had a really Uh, bad second half okay yeah we shut we shut the 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 texans down in the second half yeah we had to Uh, come back against the texans Philadelphia came in or started to come back. Yeah. You shut down Cleveland. Um, you really shut down Cleveland. <laughs> uh, Tennessee was close. Baltimore was close. Fucking the Cowboys with nobody. I mean, they had a good receiving core, but, you know, whatever. They, they were close. It's the, you, you guys need to figure out that run game. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Um I don't know. I just I just feel like wow, the Patriots just ran a trick play for a touchdown. I think it was oh, it was Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers just threw a touchdown to Rex Burkhead. That's dope. <laughs> um Yeah, no, it's I agree. Year of Rex. It, it is. I I agree, dude. I understand like there's a there's a sentimental aspect of him being on the team because he's from Pittsburgh. He went to Pittsburgh. We drafted him, his story, his whatever. I get it. But he is just not dynamic enough of a runner. It's because all those injuries. He was yeah. until he got injured for three years or right. three years, however long it's been. It's just all those injuries racking up. You're right. And I don't know. So, yeah. It was a fun day. It was a fun Sunday. Lots of uh, 4 o'clock games. Um, you know, some of the other games we didn't really get to talk about. Because um, we're going to wrap know, up. I, the, only, I would, the only game we didn't really touch upon was the Browns-Houston game. And that was just Browns playing good defense for once. And, like, Nick Chubb being back as a boon to that team. Well, I mean, yeah. f- 59 of his 129 yards came on one play. 
Yeah, but what did I say before? What did I say before the game? Nick Chubb leads the league in twenty-yard runs, and he only played for four weeks. Yeah, there was. Well, was it the line uh, minus three and a half for Cleveland or something like that? Uh, it was. It was minus four Cleveland. Okay, so yeah, he uh, messed that one up. Yeah, batters a bit. Yeah, Nick- not as much as uh, Seattle messed up batters today. Uh, we didn't talk about. Green Bay and Jacksonville. Uh, that was kind of that was a that was, trap game for Green Bay. Yeah, a trap game for Green Bay because what do they have? Uh, don't they have Chicago next week? I think so. So, yeah. So similar situation, potential similar situation that New Orleans was in this week, where they yeah. were kind they kind of slept, kind of slept walked through the first half, thinking about what they have ahead of them. Uh, they obviously eventually they took care of business. Um, beating the Jaguars, and now the Steelers get to have their trap game against the Jaguars. <laughs> so, so that'll be fun. So, hopefully, we get a a gift from the Patriots today and get a little bit of a little bit of leeway on on the division. So, but yeah, that's gonna do it for us. Uh, for the Monday night game, I know we said we were gonna talk about it. I honestly don't think there's much to talk about other than the fact that this is Kirk Cousins on a Monday night, and I don't care how bad the Chicago offense has looked. I don't trust Kirk Cousins on Monday night football. Is there fans in the stands? Uh, The Kirk Cousins equation, have we really thought it out yet? (laughs) Well, okay, we, we know a couple parts of the Kirk Cousins equation, okay? We know it's Monday night, right, which we know he's bad. This is a good defense, which we know he's bad against. And this is a team with a winning record that we know he's bad against. On top right. on top of that, individually against the Bears, he has notoriously been bad since he got in Minnesota. So, I mean, this is just shaping up to be a Kirk Cousins 500-yard game and a win. Because we we just don't understand, <laughs> don't we? Just, we try to understand, we just don't. We don't. We don't understand Kirk Cousins. Uh, I will take the Bears in this game. I think I. The Bears' defense is still really good. They match up well against Minnesota. Minnesota's defense is not that good. They're not as good as the Detroit Lions made them look. And despite the Chicago offense not being great. We have Bill Lazor taking over the play calling duties for Matt Nagy. And normally what you see when that happens, I feel like, is like the first game. Like the first game that happens, you see a little bit of a spark from the offense. And then after that, you kind of like tapers off and kind of goes back to the normal. But this is that game for Chicago. This is the first game with a, a fresh voice calling plays. So, I don't know. I like Chicago on Monday. I feel bad for Alex Smith today. Uh 399 or 390 yards passing on 55 attempts. Good he lord. He deserved the win and he got Stafforded. He got he got Matt Patricia Lions. Man, the the Lions the Lions did the opposite of what they normally do. Like normally the Lions are on the ed, on the on like the receiving end of that. But it got done to them. So that was that was super interesting. Um Washington not out of it. Not out of the East. They're still in the hunt. Two and seven, not out of it. Dude, they're not. They're not out of it. They beat the Eagles. They're not out of it. They beat the Eagles. I hate it. Oh, it's my favorite thing ever. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. Uh, We will be back for the midweek news episode. Hopefully all... If there is any news. If there is any news, hopefully all four of us are there. Probably not because Justin still hasn't gotten on his plane from Florida yet. It's okay. Justin might die, but we'll always remember him. We'll always remember him. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the Sunday night game. Enjoy the Monday night game somehow. And, yeah, we'll see you next time. And I don't not love you. Can't. No, no, no. You can't use a double negative. Get out of here. I mean, I did it. Deal with it. Figure out something to say. F-A-D-P-O-D. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, FADPOD on Twitter and on Patreon. 
And where else are we that matters? Not really anywhere. Just Twitter and Patreon. That's pretty much it. Yep. All right. Bye, guys.